Chapter 1 Summerfield, England, late July 1880 They're back! Fidelia Hayward burst into the Summerfield mercantile, one hand her heaving chest, the other steadying her bonnet, which tipped precariously over her left ear. Her daughter Lila looked up from the stack of tea towels she was folding. I assume you mean the Westons. Mother yanked her hat off, getting both her chin and her words tangled in the bow. Of course I mean the Westons. Summerfield Manor is abuzz with news of their return. So you've been to the manor? Of course not. She pointed to the village square where every nuance of village life was collected, dissected and directed. But if you'd care to walk outside with me, you'll hear the news yourself. Lila patted the top of the stack and handed them to their clerk, Rose. You can be our correspondent, Mother. I'm content to get the news second hand. As am I. Papa winked at Lila, then shared a smile with Rose, completing the usual relay of responses to Mother's flutter and flurry. Mother dug her fists into her hips. Your lack of curiosity is abominable! And since you're not curious, I shall not tell you the latest gossip about Lady Clarissa. As you wish, Lila said, turning her attention to a messy stack of handkerchiefs, the need to hide her smile finding refuge in busyness. Papa nodded toward the stack. It appears our inventory is low. How many should I buy next trip to London? Lila counted the men's larger handkerchiefs, then the women's smaller ones. We could use six more of each, I think. Very good, I'll. Mother strode to the handkerchiefs, grabbed the entire stack and tossed it into the air. Listen to me! There's news! As the last handkerchief floated to the floor, Lila suffered an inward sigh. They were used to histrionics, but the act of throwing things elevated Mother's news beyond the usual gossip. Yet to concede by giving Mother full attention was not in her nature. When Rose knelt to retrieve the fallen handkerchiefs, Lila joined her. If they didn't do it themselves, it wouldn't get done. Stop! Mother put a hand on Lila's arm. Listen to me! She turned to her husband. Jack, make them listen! If it will calm you. He nodded at Lila. Give your mother your full attention so the world can move on. Lila stood shoulder to shoulder with Rose, and they each took a breath and smoothed their skirts. All right, we're ready. Tell us your news. Mother peered at them suspiciously. I'm not sure I want to, what with all the trouble you've put me through. Lila sighed. Her mother was a mistress of hoops, making people jump through them for her own entertainment. Lila did her duty. Please tell us. We're dying to know. Mother set her hat on the counter and smoothed the ribbons. I heard it on good authority that Lady Clarissa did not find a match during the London season. It's been three years since she's come out, and three years without a betrothal. That was it. That was the news. It was like hearing that the night would be dark. And Lila wasn't surprised by it. Lady Clarissa was fickle and rebellious. Word had returned to Summerfield that during Clarissa's presentation to Queen Victoria, she'd refused to wear the three-feather Prince of Wales plume with her sweeping veil, wanting instead to wear a tiara, an honour reserved for married women. Cooler heads prevailed, but everyone knew Lady Clarissa pressed her own wishes above all others. 
Obviously, she hasn't found a man to love, Rose said. What's love got to do with it? Mother asked. Fidelia, Papa said. Yes, yes, love should be important, but we all know the gentry set usually marries for title, money or status, with love a distant fourth. Then I feel sorry for them, Papa said.